Hey, everybody, it's Greg Bendian here at the broadcast. And today, I'm very excited to have a guest who is so accomplished in so many different areas of music and such an interesting amalgam of different approaches to music. She's a bass player and a music conceptualist, and I'm very happy to welcome to the broadcast Mohini Day. Hi, Mohini. Hi. Welcome. So I'm I'm very curious about your musical beginnings. I had the pleasure of hearing you on Cruise to the Edge back in okay. May. Yeah, when I was hosting uh, some of the events and got to hear you with the great drummer Marco Miniman. Right. And got heard you getting into some serious conical stuff there and uh, some really great jamming. So yeah, Marco and I go. Um... <clears throat> Long back, he and I met. I actually don't remember how we met, or but I do remember. Uh, I met him like at least I would say five or six years ago, and this was, I think, through Guthrie Govan because I was a part of the Guthrie Govan tour, and uh, maybe Guthrie might have spoken about me to Marco, or maybe maybe Marco and I played on some album, some client's album, and then the client connected us or something like that. I'm not really sure. But we, the moment we met each other, we fell in love with each other's playing and it felt like we kind of speak the same language when it comes to music and we understood each other and, you know, nothing like um, bass and drums being on the same page the rhythm section being so tight, you know, I just, I just loved our sound together, you know, and I had never heard anybody play the drums like he did. Uh, of course, I had played with a lot of drummers before uh, him, but he has a unique style and he has a unique approach, unlike other drummers who are equally unique and different, but he just has such a fusion sound, you know, I had worked with Dave Wacko, I had worked with, you know, um, uh, some uh, like different artists have different sound altogether. So um, it was just, it was just mind blowing how he could pick up things so easily and so fast. Um, even though I come from a different culture and my upbringing and my journey is totally different and the musical influences uh, on his story and my story are like completely different. Like he uh, grew up listening to rock and roll, you know, uh, rock music. Um, and I grew up listening to like a lot of uh, Carnatic music and uh, jazz rock and uh, got into prog rock much later. But uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, totally different influences and inspirations and idols, but still we were able to uh, sound beautiful when playing together. Um, how did I start playing bass? I started playing bass because of my uh, dad. I come from a musical background. My mom and dad are both musicians. Uh, my mom sings, my dad's a bass player. I have a younger sister, she plays guitar. So you can tell like music really floats in the house and it was important, you know, it was always very important to our family. And my dad always wanted uh, me and my sister to be associated with music somehow. <clears throat> and so he would uh, teach us music um, as kids growing up. 
I remember taking lessons from dad and so did my sister, you know. Uh, at the age of three, I started taking uh, lessons. I seriously started, uh, you know, pursuing it when I was seven and I started professionally working when I was nine. Uh, where, where were you growing what, up? Sorry? Where were you growing up? I grew up in Mumbai, India. So, you know, um, we, yeah, I mean, my I, I used to go to uh, studios and uh, venues that my dad used to play in or record in. Uh, I would bunk school days and just tag along with dad because uh, I loved the musical environment very much. And I loved the spotlight. Uh, every time I would go along with him, my dad would ask me to play the bass. And every time I would play the bass, everybody would be like, oh, wow, this is so cool, this and that. And I really enjoyed that as a kid, you know. And the more I enjoyed it, the more I started spending time with my bass and the better I got, you know. Um, and I think that was like my first initial like uh, interest. I think I enjoyed the spotlight more than playing the bass <laughs> at first. And then um, I realized I have, a lot of interest for fashion so I applied for um, a fashion college secretly during my 10th board exams and um, I had three golden opportunities one was that I got a full scholarship from Berkeley College of Music and I got selected in the fashion college a second and third I got called to play in A.R. Rahman's band um, uh, and I chose A.R. Rahman and I, I played with him for eight and a half years for his, you know, live shows and uh, a couple of his movies did some session work in and out. And, and my life just like took off from there, to be honest, you know, it just opened many doors playing with him, opened a lot of doors. A lot of people started to know me and a lot of people started to call me and wanted to play with me and hired me for their albums, hired me for their movies. Um, I played on a lot of jingles, you know, like Flipkart, you know, um, Titan, all these like Bacardi. I started doing a lot of promotional work as well. Um, so yeah, like my life sort of, you know, with that one decision being made, uh, my life kind of changed and everything that came up, came to me after that, I took it as a challenge and just kept going forward. And then, um, uh, after like a couple of years of playing professionally in the industry, I had a choice like, oh, I don't want to do this project. Maybe I should do this one. Initially, I had no choice. Like I, I was taking everything and I wasn't very picky, but like uh, I would say the past four or five years, I've been very picky with my projects. I don't play on anything and everything because honestly, I don't have the time. I, you know, just am too busy and I just uh, like doing things on my, um, in my own time. And I don't like deadlines very much. Um, so I just like like to chill and do music because music is not something that just like, you know, it's it's not gonna, it's like, oh, in an hour, you gotta finish this song. Okay, yes, I will finish the song, but then it's like, is it gonna be good? Yeah, maybe you'll like it, but my personal standards are very high and I wouldn't let it go out. So that's just me. Um, so I like to take my own time and I am a perfectionist when it comes to this stuff. And I like to, you know, perfect everything and uh, triple check, sometimes 10 times check before it goes out, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, life has been great so far. I am, um, 
how many years has it been since I've been professionally working? I think about 17 and a half, 17 and a half or 18 years. And uh, it's been beautiful. I love, love just, you know, meeting new musicians and playing with different artists. And um, that's one of the reasons I'm here. Apart from visiting my in-laws, I'm going to LA to meet a lot of musicians and I probably will be playing with a lot of artists this week. And I'm really excited about that. So that's uh, really fun with our job. You know, you can meet so many different types of people and musicians and life is just uh, unlimited, you know, uh, you never know what comes to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if you had any idea of, of what was going to be your musical area when you're starting off, I think you're, you know, three and four years old, studying with your dad, who's a bass player, what kind of music is your dad playing at that point? At that point, my dad was playing in a lot of like um, Bollywood bands. He was also playing with Nusrat Fatih Ali Khan. Um, he was, um, you know, playing with a lot of uh, great singers in India. And um, I grew up listening to like a lot of vocal music um, and a lot of Hindustani classical music because my mom sings Hindustani classical. Uh, but my mom was also a dancer. So I grew up seeing her dance. You know, she has four years diploma in Bharatnatyam. So, you know, I used to take dance uh, lessons from her as a kid growing up. So my childhood was very fusion, I would say. Nothing was like one way, you know, it was everything. Um, I used to wake up at like 5.30 a.m. in the morning and like go to school and then come back at like noon and then... Uh, have lunch, shower, and then do my school homework. And then my private tutor would come home and teach me for like two and a half, three hours. And then after she goes, I would have to do her homework. And then I would uh, practice bass. You know, my dad would give me my bass lessons, then have dinner and then go to sleep and then all over again every day. So it was, you know, it was a strict childhood, I will say. Like I grew up in a very strict household. My mother tongue is Bengali and Bengalis tend to have a very strict household. Uh, that's how we were raised. Um, but I became very rebellious and at 17, I moved out. <laughs> and then I just, you know, I just like, I wanted to live on my own terms and, you know, I, I guess every kid goes through like their own share of struggles and own own share of like uh, clashes with their family. And I went through mine and life turned out great. <laughs> but isn't that unusual in, in your culture that that a, a girl would leave and do oh, her own thing? Oh, I'm just giving you a short story. I don't want to get into like the specifics of it. No. But yeah, absolutely. You know, in, 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 in an Indian culture, like now it's probably okay. But like, in those days, in my time, when I was 17, I had to fight, you know, I had to fight with my dad and mom and it was chaos. It was really chaotic in the house and they hated me for my decision, but now they're very proud of me, you know, that I did make that decision. Now they understand. So, you know, with time, you become wiser and parents also learn a thing or two, you know, with generations going by and it's fast and change is hard for everybody, but with time, everything heals, you know? Sure. And you were gigging pretty early. What kind of gigs were you doing to, to start off? I was playing like Friday, Saturday nights in clubs where my age was not even allowed. And, but I would just go there to play and then out, you know? Um, so I was only allowed to do the gigs and not just come to like see the shows or anything. But 
after playing like five, six times, the owner kind of knew me. So I was an exception, I guess. And I was allowed after a point. Um, but um, yeah, after that, you know, on the side, I was uh, traveling a lot to the south and the north of India, uh, where Tamil Nadu is and where like Assam is. And I got um, introduced to um, South Indian, you know, music and a lot of the Karnatic uh, gharanas and uh, ragas and, um, you know, played with like a lot of uh, exotic instruments like kanjira, um, morsang, uh, ghatam, uh, tabla. So I grew up uh, playing with all these percussive instruments a lot. And that was very fascinating to me. I wanted to sound like a percussive instrument on the bass. And that's where I guess all the konakol and the slap, all the stuff that I do on my bass comes from, you know, because I wanted to sound like them. Um, and it's still very fascinating to me. You know, I, I remember uh, when I was like 13 or 14, I had my like first jam session and I realized like bass has such a frequency that it can get, um, it sometimes gets hidden in the band, you know, if you're not powerful enough or if your tone is not a certain type, then your tone, your sound will not cut through, you know. So I studied a lot and I analyzed and just was looking for my sound and I would practice a lot and fiddle around with like a lot of pickups and just different woods, you know, and uh, just see like what works with my technique. And I'm very technical with my playing. So I had to figure out, um, you know, just different types of uh, tonal modulations and things that would work for my style of playing, you know? Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time with my instrument and with amplifiers and stuff. And I would also <laughs> make a lot of videos and I would post online and stuff and, um, I my first video that went viral was with Gurgo Borlai, a Hungarian drummer, and it was called Day by Day. And uh, when I heard that song, uh, he he sent it to me. When I heard that song, I didn't know I could play it, but because it was so fast. And then when I started playing on it and I was recording on it, it felt very natural. I know a lot of people like ask me like, "How do you? Where do you get your speed from? How are you flowing so fast?" I never worked on speed, to be honest. Like it just, it just happened, you know? I was always working on saving my stamina and working on, uh, you know, not being sloppy because I hate sloppy playing. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of bass players and they play a lot of things, but it's not clean enough. So for me, like clarity is the most important thing um, and time, uh, in a bass player is the most important thing for me. Um, and so, you know, I would work on those things and it just like happened, you know. Um, I never paid too much attention and I just kept playing and uh, listening to, uh, keeping myself open to listening to different types of music and just, you know, uh, staying open-minded. And um, the more you're uh, open to um hearing different types of music, the more it influences you and the more your uh, sound changes over time. So if you hear me when I was like 13, 14, 15, and now versus now, you will hear a big difference, you know? Sure. 
And I'm curious what bass players you were checking out when you started expanding your bass concept. Who were you interested in? Yeah, so I would listen to like a lot of Weather Report, Jacob Astorius. I would listen to Abraham Laborio, uh, Marcus Miller, John Patatucci, Billy Sheehan, Stuart Hamm. Um, uh, so many just different types of bass players, Michael Manrin, uh, Gary Willis from Tribal Tech. And like, I would listen to a lot of like different albums as well. Um, at that time, I didn't have like, um, uh, you know, like a DVD player at that time. Initially I had like a cassette player. So like I would rewind and it, learn it the hard way it would take a long time to do that and then finally we had like a dvd player and then that was a little better but still like it was hard you know yeah. um and then came the computer which came much later um that was like a whole different world and that was like amazing um but uh yeah listen i i, I grew up listening to a lot of those bass players and as well as drummers like dennis chambers carter buford vinnie Coloyuda. Um, Virgil Donati, uh, you know, uh, Kirk Covington, Narada, Michael Walden, like a lot of their albums as well. So, yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, the um, the breakthrough of, of Hendrix into the guitar world, I often think of Jocko as, as a similar figure in, in the bass world. Yeah. This exploded now open to be equal... Uh, to every other instrument it's not just about bass is a support instrument and yeah. he starts off by showing us donna lee on the bass mm -hmm. yeah he was the first one to show that bass is can not only be an accompanying instrument but also a solo instrument you know and a virtuosic solo instrument too and and a sound yeah. synthesizer really yeah absolutely he was like the first one to you know ex expand the vocabulary of bass yeah and i was thinking about that donna lee recording when i was watching your video of coltrane's countdown and you did a transcription of that solo and just flew right through it and i'm uh -huh. thinking man that's just that's not easy um <laughs> but you did a lot of you've clearly done a lot of transcription and and a lot of shedding on on these kinds of solos uh you know there's a funny story behind that coaching video um my husband uh he this was when he had just gotten married and he came home and we were just talking and he said he was listening to coaching's music and i heard the song and that was my first time hearing countdown uh, and Mark said, uh, why don't you do like a video, like a short video on it? I think it would blow people's mind. Uh, I was like, really? He was like, yeah. I was like, hmm, okay, cool. So the very next day I started learning that solo. And then I did a video the very next day and it was like, you know, it just blew up in no time. <laughs> so you just worked on that solo for a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was ready to do it the same night, but I just wanted it to be like perfect, like nails. So like 
I hate wasting time. I'm the kind of person like who likes to move on very fast. Um, I don't like to uh, waste a single second. So that day I was really tired after doing that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it uh, tomorrow after I, you know, set up the lights and like cameras and I want to do it like in one go. So yeah, that was probably like my second take the following day. Yeah. Amazing. So who are the bass players that that impress you now? Because now there are so many young bass players that are coming up, you know, and you have huge audiences listening to people like Thundercat and the bass yeah. now becoming just a, a much more out front instrument. Do you mm -hmm. see that happening? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was happening even before Thundercat. Uh, I think it's incredible. But like, you know, Hadrian Farad is one of the best in today's time, I would say, you know, like he is not, he may not be as famous as Thundercat, but, you know, he was doing all the things like that nobody was doing, you know, he, his jazz vocabulary is just mind blowing, you know. I saw um, with John McLaughlin the first time he came over here from Europe. Yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah, I mean, when I heard Hadrian, I was like, wow, this is incredible. You know, it's it's so inspiring to see somebody play like that. And uh, even Victor Wooten, the first time I heard Victor Wooten, he's not from now, but, you know, growing up, I listened to a lot of Victor Wooten also. And like, he was one of the first guys to play the bass like he does, like drumming on the bass almost, you know. So he's a big inspiration to me. And in today's time, if I had to name a few bass players that I love and enjoy listening to, it would be, of course, Adrian Farad and Junior uh, Junior Brackenham. Um, there are some rock bass players that I enjoy listening to as well, like Brian Beller, like uh, Ricky Bonazzo. Um, there's uh, this other guy, very funky bass player called Vincent Garcia. Um, I mean there are a lot of bass players now you know like there are some amazing bass players out there that are doing some great things and i am so happy to be living in this time you know yeah it's wide open now I, it's good to see that the the electric bass it can expand into being the lead instrument or being a support instrument or being a harmonic instrument or or being a sound generator I'm curious how you feel about uh, processing and, and electronics. I love it. Um, I absolutely love it. I use a lot of pedals myself. I only got into it like I would say three or four years ago, um, but I absolutely enjoy it. I have like three big pedal boards at the moment that I tour with for different bands. Um, I think it's an extension of your sound. I think it's uh, um, they're toys, you know. You can you can use them whenever you want. I used to be the kind of person who would uh, go direct to my head amp and straight out, you know, just love my bass sound and still do. And I still love soloing just direct, you know. But there are some cool sounds that you cannot uh, neglect and just avoid because it adds a lot, you know? Like this one I have in front of me right now. This is something that I use a lot called Brainwaves Pitch Shifter and uh, such a cute color <laughs> in light pink. <laughs> it has like almost everything you need. It's it's just 
amazing. It has wham, it has detuning. You can add like different uh, uh, voicings to your note. Uh, you can have like triads, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. And uh, I use this a lot for soloing. And then like this one is another great pedal for if you want to sound like a keyboard playing sub bass, you know, uh, like a, almost like a Moog sub bass. Uh, OC2 by Boss is amazing. Um, TC makes some amazing pedals. I use a lot of the TC electronic pedals called Sabina. Um, that gives you like a, almost like a Hammond sound. And then Mooga Fuga, of course, you know, the ring modulator. I use that a lot during soloing. Um, there are so many out there. It's, it's, it's endless. <laughs> the sounds, yeah. It's only going to keep getting better. And um, I still prefer individual pedals than like a single processor. Um, I just think there, I don't know, there's some sound to it. I think it's more clean. And uh, I, I just feel like it gives you more of that natural sound. With the processor, it does change your tone a little bit, which I don't like personally. And uh, it's just more old school, I guess. <laughs> it's tone coloration, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, it's just adding on your sound, you know? It's not, um, but some processors uh, do change your tone sometimes. Uh, unless it's bypass, but again, sometimes that can do, uh, that can fiddle and manipulate your tone as well. So there are some processors that are good out there that won't manipulate your sound, but then most of them do. So I just prefer, and it's just like fun to have a pedal board and you see the sounds and you just like load in the sound. So sometimes I will have another OC2 just to have like, uh, a dialed in sound and I will use a different setting on that OC2 and I will press that when I want it. And I will use this one when I want it for a specific song or something. So I don't mind having uh, multiple uh, numbers of the same pedal. You know, Mahini, I've, uh, I've been following Indian music for much of my life. I was very fortunate to have a dad who was really open to music. And so at a very early age, I got to see the Stan Kenton Orchestra. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, my dad took me to see Ravi Shankar with Alaraka at a local college. Uh, I was lucky enough to see Shakti the first time they played in, in New York City in Central Park. First time we were exposed to Zakir. First time we were exposed to Shankar and, and uh, Viku. And from that moment on, I've always noticed that Indian classical musicians, if you want to call them that, there's a streak of very progressive, very forward-looking, very interested in bringing together different musical cultures. And I wondered if, if that was something that inspired you as a young person, seeing guys like Zakir doing all the different projects that they do and just being a, a, a world musician too young i didn't um really think that deep you know um i didn't look at uh genres i just looked at everything as music and people like zakir hussain john mclaughlin bands like mahavishnu orchestra are great bands and great musicians for me they were some of the 
pioneers, uh, you know, doing that sort of music. And for me, it was just inspiring. And my father always taught me to be respectful and to see everything, nothing to, to not differentiate between different things, but to look at it as one, you know? Um, so for me, everything was just music and still is today. I don't, I don't categorize bands. I don't categorize musicians. For me, everybody is a musician and we are all human beings and we have a different voice. Yes. And these are tags like, okay, this music is prog rock or this music is metal and it sounds a certain way. Absolutely. But if I am called to play in a metal band, I play like me, you know? Um, same, like you saw me on Cruise to the Edge. I'm not a rock bass player. That was one of my first times playing like in a rock band, heavy rock band, you know? Before that, I had played in a Japanese band, which was pop rock, sort of like similar, but not super similar because uh, it was Japanese music and it was pop rock. Whereas Randy McStein and Marco Miniman, it was more fusion rock, you know? Um, so I was playing like me. Like I didn't I didn't change myself to fit in or anything like that, you know? So that's why I don't categorize different musicians and music because when I play in a different setting, I'm still playing like me. I'm not changing anything to... Uh, make myself sound like somebody or make myself sound like a funk or a jazz or a prog rock or a metal player, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's my way of looking at music, you know? But isn't that also something that came down from from your dad and your mom and having such a wide range of interests in the household? Yeah, but having said that, I was too young to even understand anything, you know? Uh, now I understand because I'm 26 and I've lived a little bit of my life, but I was too young to understand those specifics and get that deep in life. You know, I was just doing what I was being told to do. My father had a plan and I was living by that plan until I became rebellious and then wanted to live my life on my own terms, you know, um, had my own dreams and wanted to do those, achieve those goals and dreams. And since then, I've been on my own. And now when I see people living their life and uh, doing what they want to do and respecting art and uh, respecting independent music, it brings me joy. You know, um, I have so many students who take lessons from me and they ask me, like, how do I fi find my voice? You know, how do I uh, sound good? You know, how do I uh, sound original? And I always say that, you know, you, every person has their own voice already, but you just have to finesse it. The more you spend time with your instrument, be it vocal or be it your instrument, you just have to spend more time with it and you will find it because it's there. You just have to finesse it and make it like it's it's one body part and it's not separate. Like my bass is not a separate body part at this moment for me when I pick up the bass it becomes like my body part I feel like I am walking you know I feel like I'm talking through my instrument which is a part of me you know um so yeah I I was I didn't think too much but I always was fascinated and uh interested in learning and I still am and I'm still a kid 
in the music world, you know, I am always open to learning new things and I still get fascinated and mind blown by a lot of things. And I think that's the best way to live your life because otherwise you'll feel like, oh, you're just great and you have, you're like famous and people know you, you're a great bass player and you've played with so-and-so and you've done so much work and played on so many albums. Now what? You know, so I just I just like to relax and and not get stressed because sometimes when there's so much happening, you can get stressed and you can get like you feel you start feeling like there's a burden on you and you start feeling like you have a responsibility because you are representing your country now and people are like, oh, you're the pride of India. You know, now there's this huge responsibility on my shoulders like I have to. Um, always win you know I cannot fail you know stuff like that but I always say like it's okay to be okay like it's it's great that I turned out to be a good bass player and a good musician and I enjoy my you know job great but it's okay to be okay you know it's totally fine to be as long as you're enjoying your work you know oh yeah yeah so what are you working on these days I am I just finished my album so it's currently being mixed and mastered so hopefully it'll come out this coming year which I'm really excited about and uh, we also finished another album on the side which is called Mamoji with my husband Mark he wrote all the songs and uh, our drummer friend Gino Banks from Mumbai India and he played drums I played bass and it's um it's it's incredible like the way the album sounds right now i just cannot wait for the people to hear it because it's 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 something that people haven't heard it's very different and it's something that is not out there yet um we did an india tour uh i think six or seven city india tour and then we did mamoji's show in um Romania we also did uh one show recently shit I'm forgetting somewhere in Europe um but yeah so we tested out with different audiences we wanted to play the music live before we wanted before we released the album and like out of 100% of the venues we sold out 80% of the venues and it was incredible um, so I can't wait for people to hear this album we are very excited to release it. Mixing and mastering uh, is done and it's going to be out uh, end of December. So super excited about that. And um, there is an album um, that I played on a couple of months ago um, of Darwin. Uh, and Simon Phillips is playing drums and he's the producer for it. We recorded uh, everything live in Zurich. Um, so I was there for like a month and we recorded 12 songs where Simon and I uh, recorded together uh, live in the studio. And that is coming out. And I mean, there are so many albums that have come out already as well. Um, like this uh, guitar players album called Jan Rivera. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. Uh, Marco Meniman is playing drums, Jordan Rudis on keys, myself on bass. There are some other musicians as well that are uh, featured on this album. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of great albums. Lots of guitar players actually have put out a lot of albums this year that shockingly Marco and I are the rhythm section for it. 
<laughs> like three or four <laughs> albums where Marco and I are playing. And who's on your record? Uh, on my record, we have Narada Michael Walden, we have uh, Vinnie Kaluyuda, we have uh, Gogo Borlai, we have Godfrey Govan, we have Bumblefoot, we have Mark on horns, we have Gino Banks, um, and I am, uh, you know, also doing a lot of like the Conical stuff as well. Uh, I hope I'm not missing out anything. Um, but yeah, there are like nine, eight or nine songs on it. And I'm super excited uh, to release my album as well. Uh, my album is very, you know, fusion, jazz fusion. Um, and uh, yeah, I think um, this has been on hold for quite some time now. People have been wanting me to release my album and this is going to be my debut album. So I'm really excited. Uh, does it have a title and where can people find it? Oh, well, the title is Meat Eater. Yeah, so that's me, of course. I only eat meat, so that's why the album's name is called Meat Eater. You're, yeah. you're the opposite of vegetarian? Yes, that's right. I'm a carnivore and I'm very proud. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. So uh, where can people find your music, Mohini? What's the best place for people to look for your stuff? YouTube, YouTube, um, Instagram, you know, I'm a lot more active on Instagram. I post a lot of videos of whatever I'm doing and uh, YouTube, mainly music, but Instagram, if you want to get a sneak peek into my behind the scenes of, you know, uh, my life. Uh, and um, yeah, YouTube, if you want to just hear music and a little bit of my life, I would say, but uh, um you will find only one song as of now uh, called Can You Feel Me, which was my single that I released a couple of years ago. Uh, but my album is coming out next year. So stay tuned for that. But meanwhile, you guys can check out Can You Feel Me, which has Jordan Rudis, Steve Vai, myself on vocals. So it's a vocal song on bass as well. And Gino Banks on drums and Mark Hartsuch on the horns. Well, I look forward to hearing that and the full album. And I just want to say Mohini Day, thank you. You're amazing. And your music is fascinating. And I hope more people will check it out. Everybody, this, this has been the broadcast. Thank you to Mohini Day for talking to me about music and, and turning me on to a whole other world of music. So we'll thank uh, you for having me. You're very welcome. And, and and we'll definitely be looking forward to hearing some new stuff from you. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time.